Please be seated, everyone. Um, this is Judge Stickles. We're on the record in Prime Core Technologies, case number 2311161. Good afternoon. I do. Well, actually, I don't, but I, I've seen it. I have multiple copies of the I've seen the papers. Um, Your Honor, there's only one matter going forward today. It's the bear's motion for, um, it's our 2004 motion with respect to um, the settlement, I believe. Um, with me in today is Joseph Evans, my partner. Uh, he will be handling the motion on behalf of the debtor, so I will see the podium. Okay. Good afternoon. Uh, as you know, the debtors have been conducting an investigation into the 98F wallet. 98F wallet is where a significant amount of funds are deposited into, specifically Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies that debtors no longer have access to. In order to gain access to the 98F wallet, there are really two primary ways to do it. One is to find the seed phrases, which are 12 to 24 sets of words, which allow you to access what's called a signer. The other way is to get a hardware device, which are physical devices that would allow you to get, gain access to the assigner, which would allow you to affect the transaction in your wallet. We don't have that. Because that was our mission, in part. The, the wallet is electronic, is that right? Well, yes. So okay. the, wallet, the wallet itself, the 98F wallet, is on the blockchain. Okay, that's what we thought. We just. Yeah, so the 98F wallet is on the blockchain. It's called a multi sig wallet, which means it requires multiple signers to execute a transaction into or out of the wallet. The problem is we don't have access to all of the signers that we need. And the, the hardware element, right. there are physical devices that allow you to get access to the signer, which would allow you to get into the wallet. If you had the seed phrases, you could load those seed phrases onto a new hardware device and then get access to the wallet. We don't have enough. As a result, we sent 2004 discovery to 19 different witnesses uh, seeking information. We identified those witnesses who either previously had a seed phrase or were involved in wallet management at Prime, or for which other witnesses identified as potentially having access to the seed phrase, hardware devices, that kind of thing. This particular uh, witness that's at issue today was a former chief technology officer at Prime. He left Prime in February 2021. Right before he left, the decision was made to offer the deposit digital address that went into 98F, which the company no longer had access to at the time. There are contemporaneous emails cited in our motion that show that he was involved in those communications. As a result, we sent him a 2004 request asking for voluntary discovery. We asked for documents, we asked for interrogatories, and we asked him to get into the wallet. The interrogatories we asked for were really narrow. They were aimed at identifying whether we had a seed phrase, whether we had a hardware device. For example, interrogatory one is identify seed phrases concerning 98F. Interrogatory two, identify the individuals or entities who are in possession of hardware wallets. Interrogatory three, 
identify the individual's entity from possession of secrets. These are all narrowly tailored to our goal, get access to 91. We're a little bit uh, at a loss as to what we're arguing about. Well, what, what is the basis for interrogatories under a 2004 exam? That's, it's true, Your Honor. The statutory language of 2004 describes document production and examination. There are multiple orders in this district and others where interrogatories were ordered. The court has broad discretion to issue 2004 orders that are efficient, that would serve the purposes of 2004. The primary purpose, the reason why we did this, is we have a lot of witnesses and not a lot of money. And we served interrogatory responses that were narrowly tailored to identify which ones we really need to sit down and spend the time running through the depositions. Out of the 19 witnesses that we served 2004s with, 14 responded voluntarily with interrogatories. We have five left uh, with this particular witness alone. There was an offer made by this witness to provide requests for admissions, stating that this particular witness had no information in his possession. We looked at that and we considered that, and the primary issue was we've already received text messages from another witness with this witness discussing issues critically relevant to this investigation, including the wallet, wallet access, and the 98F investigation. So we know that at least at one time, Can you step back a second and give sure. me a sense of timing? So this witness departed in February of 2021. Yes. Walk me through the chronology. Yeah, the chronology sure. when when the information when it be, when you became aware that there was an issue with the wallet and then when was the receiver appointed, etc. So this wallet was actually created in the beginning of 2020. Okay. It was previously used at Prime. Then there was a decision to what they call migrate the wallet to a third party called Firebox. Firebox is a place where assets are, crypto assets are traditionally yeah. stored. There was then a decision made in late December and early January to start reusing some of the old ones. This is December 2020. December 2020, early January is when the decision was made to use old wallets, including the 98F wallet. This particular witness was involved in that discussion, was the chief technology officer at the time, and facilitated the issuance of this new deposit account. It is, it, this is public information, it's on the, on the blockchain, but there has been a lack of access into that wallet for a significant amount of time, so it's not like someone signing in every day and trying to log in. And so really looking for a judge are pieces of paper that have 24 secret images, snapshots from people's phones, uh, WhatsApp images, Telegram images, that kind of thing. Something that somebody might forget they have and have. And we've made some progress, uh, but just the one do not. Um, no, I, I'll hear from the objector. And is this 
Party one, party seven. Party seven. Okay, all uh, right. I know it was a little complicated. Sorry about no, that. that's okay. I just I had seven in my notes, and I wasn't sure if I wrote it down well. Uh, seven. Okay, thank you. Good afternoon. Jim Green, Sussex County, Jackson Green for um, Mr. Bobby and Jackson. I don't know if we have time to name that particular county board. Um, also representing Mr. Boyd is Kathleen Schumer, who's on Zoom. Um, Your Honor, I I prepared this um, as if the court has I guess any questions the court has, but Ms. Schumer was primarily involved in the communications back and forth with counsel in California to Mr. Boyd, who's in California. Um, there were some Yeah, I'm going to move past those right. issues, right. and I'd rather focus on the objections at hand. And so I don't know if the parties have had any discussions regarding the objections. What What is left? What is being contested, or is all of it being contested? I'm, gonna, I'm happy to answer, Your Honor, but with the court's permission, I'll cede the podium to um, Ms. Schumer, who's, who's on Zoom. Okay, Ms. Schumer. Good Good afternoon, Your Honor. It's still morning here. Uh, good, good day, Your Honor. This is Catherine Deemer. I represent Mr. Gorge. Uh, we had multiple conversations with the debtor. We offered to debtor to allow Mr. Gorge to uh, have a traditional 2004 examination where if there was a request for production of documents that was appropriately tailored, we would provide such documents and that they could question Mr. Uh, Gorge under oath as is traditional in a 2004 examination. Um, they have not in any way ceded any ground. Um, they insist that they have a right to interrogatories. They do not. They have not produced a single case which authorizes them to do that. And there are express cases cited in our brief that prohibit the interrogatories being published to a 2004 recipient who is a third party to the dispute. Mr. Gorge is very clearly a third party to the dispute. He is not a claimant. Until we filed this motion, he wasn't on the service list. He's not identified anywhere. Um, the problem here is, as Mr. Evans has said, Mr. Gorge left the company in 2021. He has not been involved in crypto in any way since 2021. He works in a completely different technology field. He uh, does not have lots of documents or information, but I will be honest with you, my communications with Mr. Evans and Ms. Uh, Griffiths are such that there has been no movement whatsoever there has been an insistence that Rule 45D, the proportional response, does not apply to Mr. Gorge. And what we are seeking here, Your Honor, is uh, a ruling from the court that allows us to protect our witness and limit the 2004 order such that, he, that Mr. Evans and the debtor follow the rules of Rule 45, which is the mechanism which enforces Rule 2004, um, which means so, that the order. Yes, I'm sorry. Well, so you don't dispute that the debtor 
is entitled to a 2004 exam or the production of documents? No, we never have done so. We just believe that because Mr. Gorge is a third party, that the debtor must follow the rules in Rule 45D, which requires that they seek, that they minimize the burden on the third party, and that they minimize that burden such that it is a limited amount of documents and limited burden. They have to go under the law. They have to go and look to other third parties for the information first, which apparently they're doing, which is fine. Once they have that, then they can come out to my jurisdiction where Mr. Gorge is resident, the Northern District of California, and enforce a proper subpoena. I really must take issue with the way the debtor has handled this matter. The debtor sent out subpoenas attached to a letter saying people had to respond within a week or they would go to the court to enforce. And these people weren't served. They didn't know. Mr. Gorge just got alarmed because he knew that Prime Court had filed bankruptcy, and he got alarmed and contacted counsel. It was extremely overbearing. If you were an independent third party without a lot of litigation experience to this individual, it's just an individual who happened to work at this company a couple of years ago. It in no way resembles the appropriate process that should occur in a 2004 exam. And we simply ask this court to issue its order in concurrence with the rules that govern 2004. No interrogatories, limited scope. And, you know, frankly, Your Honor, Mr. Evans and debtor have to enforce in the Northern District. The rules are clear that enforcement, he can't just send out, he can send out the 2004 notice through worldwide or countrywide service, but he can't enforce. He has to properly serve and subpoena here in Northern District and enforce in Northern District. So we think that 2004 is fine as long as it's only documents and a request, documents and testimony, but that it must be limited and reasonable. And frankly, he should complete all of his other discovery first to see if he even needs Mr. Gorge, the independent third party to this dispute. Well, let me just say that I believe based on the papers, the debtor has shown calls for a 2004 exam. The debtor's examination seeks information related to the 98F wallet. And that wallet issue is an important issue in this case. And Party 1 worked for Prime Trust and then Prime Digital prior to February 21. And so I'm going to permit a 2004 exam. And it sounds to me, Ms. Zimer, that you don't contest that. And I'm going to also allow the production of documents. So what I'd like to do is it doesn't sound like the parties have gotten any closer with respect to resolving any issues. So with respect to production specifically, it seems to me that, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, that the issues that are at hand are requests 10, 11, 13, 14, and then 20 through 23. Is that correct? Yes, Your Honor. Okay. So I've read the parties' papers, but I would like to, I don't believe that the debtors 
um, responded to requests 10 and 11. So I'd like to focus on that request for a minute and let's just address those two requests specifically for starters. And I'm, I'm Ms. Dimer, I think since it's your objection, um, you should go first. I'm sorry, I'm looking for your objection in my papers. Uh, yes, I believe it's on page 16, Your Honor. So request 10, 11, 13, and 14, and particularly request 10 and 11, seek documents relating to the exchange of monies between vendors. Vendors is defined in definition 21 as any entity contracted with or employed by the prime entities, uh, whereas uh, we're only talking about 10 and 11 now, not 13 and 14, Your Honor, is that correct? Well, if it, I was focusing first on 10 and 11, but if you, I mean, if you wanna put them in, in one bucket, I'm happy to do it that way. I just wanna focus the parties on what's truly at issue. Sure. The, the problem I have when I read this um, as a litigator is the definition of the term records is enormous. It broadens, it broadens the term seek documents relating to the exchange of monies, which is already an extremely broad term, and then identifies the, what that is with something on the order of 22 different things. According to Mr. Evans' argument, he said that what he's really interested in, and uh, you know, I'm not, I hope I don't misquote him. I'm, I'm not sure I'm as facile with the uh, cryptocurrency issues as he is, although I have handled them before. If they're really only interested in the specific migration of this one wallet to Firechain and whether he has any physical things that would allow uh, the, um, like the, piece of technology that would allow them to access it or to use the old wallets, the identifier that would allow them to use the old wallets. I don't think that's a problem, but that's not at all what I got from requests uh, for production of documents 10 and 11. It was this wide ranging group of potential records. And I'm happy to go on to 13 and 14. Wait, 13 and I, would you like to respond to that uh, right now? Down. Okay, yeah, let's see if we can. Thank you, Joseph Adams uh, from the General Manager for the Debtor. 10 and 11 uh, seek documents, communications, and records concerning communicate any vendor of the prime entity or compensation of any kind made by vendors to board or any of a, a certain group of former employees. The reason for this request is that the decision was made in December of 2020 to move away from the vendors that were storing the wallets. And the proper reason during the course of the internal investigation at the company and in emails that we said that we saw, uh, don't make any changes. And so we're trying to understand the reason by which the company decided to change from the Firefox wallet to go back to the Natalie Beck wallet. This particular witness only dealt with those vendors that concerned wallet management. That's the reason for the request. I, I, I do 
do take your point, Your Honor, that these are a bit broader uh, than the other request that issue. And so if we had everything else but those two, we would, we would be okay. Okay, well, let me, before I rule on, is there any way you can limit the scope or time? Sure. If we had documents, communications, and records concerning the payment made to any vendor concerning wallet management, And can other vendors that is there a time period? Uh, the time period is the date when this witness became employed at Prime to now. And so 2020 to now. And I, I would note that this only relates to payments and compensation. And so it's already limited by its terms for ask a question did this person take business records with them I, I'm, I'm saying him I don't know did so number it's seven it's party seven it's a good question um, the offboarding process at prime could use a little help um, the documents we received from others indicated there were a lot of personal devices being used to discuss Ms. Zimer, do you want to respond? Uh, yes, Your Honor. I do not believe that if you look at documents, qua documents, i.e. pieces of paper, I don't think so. I don't think there are any. I don't believe that there's any emails uh, after he left the company. Um, I There might be some text messages or oral communications because as I stated in my uh, papers, Mr. Gorge and Mr. Lechaninity, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that Excuse right. Me, um, Your Honor, there's, a, there's an order by the court to not describe former employees by name. Oh, yes, thank you. Okay, the person who somehow designated, the, the guys who founded this company were personal, at least one of them was personal friends of Mr. Gorge since he was about eight years old. So it's unlikely that he doesn't have, and let me rephrase that, he for sure has communications with his childhood buddy about life. But is it about payments to vendors? I don't think so, Your Honor. But I don't have any heartburn about producing uh, payments or compensation related to that limited amount of information. So it would be all documents, communications, and records concerning any payments made to any vendor of the prime entities concerning wallet management from the from his from your employment date to now. Your Honor, instruction number fourteen uh, identifies the time period. 
Okay. And so we're maintaining the same time period. The time period from the time he was employed until present. That's fine, Your Honor, as long as it's only compensation and payments. That's okay. I don't think that's a big deal. Okay. I think 13 and 14 are unfortunately not amenable to the same solution. Because, as I said, certainly the one gentleman, one of the founders, was literally a lifetime friend. Okay. The other two gentlemen who were founders, I think they were both founders, are people who also are friends, not of such long duration. And so when in 13 and 14 they seek broadband, all communications between Mr. Gorge and these people, that literally gets you the discussion of my client's bachelor party, the discussion of my client's wedding, and who's getting there when, and who's bringing a girlfriend. That's ridiculous and inappropriate. Your Honor, if I could respond. Yes. 13 and 14 don't seek any information like that about weddings or girlfriends or anything else. 13 and 14 are limited to communications concerning the prime entity, so are not interested in any communications about his personal life or compensation. I have to disagree with Mr. Evans. It specifically asks for communications between Mr. Gorge and all these people. And the problem is because they're lifelong friends, there are a lot of communications. But it says concerning the prime entity. So, Ms. Dimer, can you connect the dots for me? I'm not sure what I am. I'm missing something. So let me give you some examples. Do they want any time the word prime is mentioned? Because it's mentioned, my understanding is quite a bit, hey, I'm at the company right now. Oh, I'm going to do X, leaving the company to come to your party. That sort of thing is included. That would be under the definitions that they have put forth, which includes everything known to mankind, over 22 categories. Those would fall within it, even if it just had, if it was a communication using as part of the identifier in the email or in one of the other forms of communication mentions prime. So it's mrxfounderatprime.com or whatever their email address is. That would fall under their definitions. I suspect Mr. Evans is not interested in the man's private life. But, you know, the way these are drafted, they're so vastly overbroad. Your Honor, we limited the request for disclosure to occur in information concerning the prime entity. With these three particular individuals who are key executives at the company, this particular witness, as I stated, was a chief technology officer at the time when the 98F wallet issued his form. Information that he has in his possession concerning the prime entity with three key executives at the company is highly relevant as well within the scope of the government question. May I make a suggestion, Your Honor? Of course. If Mr. Evans is only concerned about the time when this decision was made, let's limit communications to the year before, say, you know, January 2020 through the time, you know, 
I guess, maybe a year after. That should cover everything. And then let's limit the topic to communications about the issue of the transfer of the 98F, any transfers of the 98F. And then you're going to limit it to what needs to be limited. And, Your Honor, under Rule 45, he can go to those other parties that he's already uncovered, and he can be specific and limited because he has that information from the third parties. Rule 45D requires that he specify. Well, he's not. I mean, this is a simultaneous investigation of multiple people, and you've indicated there are five left. So we're not going to – we need to move promptly on this issue. I agree. Thank you. But my concern here is that while 2004s have been referred to as fishing expeditions, this language – is really it is broad I'm not as troubled by the time period as I am that it's concerning the prime entities I don't know if that's a meet you in the parking lot to go to lunch as the prime entities or or if it has something to do with the wallet and I'm wondering if there's a way to craft this to make it more specific to the investigation that's ongoing I was going to say, you're going to have to come up with a defined term. Defined term for wallet management. They have to be I mean, I'm certainly going to let you explore this. Right. It's just the way it's written, it's, it's broad. Okay. You could define wallet management as issues concerning digital wallets at Prime. Seed phrases, migration. Digital wallets at Prime, seed phrases, hardware devices, 98F, Firebox, and GitHub. I mean, is this something, I know it's difficult because obviously the parties could not agree on the motion, but is this something the parties could work? Um, 
I'm, yes, Your I'm Honor. happy to see her and do it if I, that's I, easier. I, I, hope, I hope so. My, my hesitation is we have we we tried, we haven't really been able to work, work that well. Okay. Well, why don't why don't we do this? Why don't um, let's continue going through this okay. and know that we have to come back to 13 and 14, but we're going to take a break, sure. and I'm not going to go home until I have the definition. Okay. How's that? That'll be great, Your Honor. Thank you. All right. Sorry, Maddie. Okay, and then so the next issues as I read the pleadings, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but there are requests 20 to 23. Yes, Your Honor. These all identify requests for information about public events that happened after, long after, almost two, more than two years after Mr. Gorge left the company. And they all revolve around things like filings in courts, which violate Rule 45D's uh, requirements that, that they seek the information in least intrusive manners, and frankly is not something that Mr. Gorge likely to have any information about. He wasn't at the company. He hadn't been for two years. Let me hear from your data. Your Honor, 20 to 23 were aimed at capturing communications when the issue became public between Mr. this particular witness and other people about what happened at Prime. Oh my God, look what happened at Prime. I got a seat raise on my desk. We're not seeking any public information. We're not seeking copies of articles and that kind of thing. We want to know if he had communications about this that happened recently concerning these events because as counsel knows, he wasn't at the company for some time and then this became public. I don't know how much he knew or didn't know at different points in time, but this has captured those sorts of communications. It would seem to me, and Ms. Zimmer obviously can comment, but it would seem to me if he truly doesn't have anything, this is not an overly burdensome search. Your Honor, I have asked him. I do not believe he has anything, and therefore I don't think it is particularly burdensome. I just think it's not something that's appropriate. I think I would say to you, Your Honor, there's no need for you to work late. I'm fairly confident with your direction that Mr. Evans and I can work this out. The problem to date has been very specific. Mr. Evans and Ms. Griffiths would not agree unless we agreed to the interrogatories and didn't limit the scope. So when they took that very hardline position, we had no room to give. I am quite confident that given the information Mr. Evans has told the court today, that if he sent me an appropriate, you know, a couple of definitions, we're going to come to an answer. But, of course, it's up to you, Your Honor. Your Honor, I'm happy to respond. The communications were not about specific requests 10 through 11 or so, but the communications were I refused to give interrogatories, I refused to provide documents in advance of the deposition, I'll only provide requests for admission if I don't have to produce any documents, and I'm not subject to a deadline. None of those were accepted. So we always try to work something out. We've been trying to work this out since mid-August. We've spent a lot of time and money kind of going back and forth with this, but I'm hoping to come to a resolution today. I do have a 
proposed definition for wallet management. Okay. Um, wallet management being issues concerning digital wallets as clients, including digital addresses, hardware devices, seed phrases, Firefox, Bitso, 98F, and self-hosted wallets. I don't have any problems with that, but I must disagree with what Mr. Evans said. We offered Mr. Gorge both document production and for 2004 examination, but I draw the line at something that is absolutely unavailable under the law. Okay. Well, I appreciate both parties' arguments, but the point of today is to move forward. And I think then we have resolved the issues with respect to requests for production, correct? Okay. So I think the only other issue is with respect to interrogatories. Is that correct? I think so, Your Honor, except for the timing of the document productions versus the depositions. This witness has refused to provide documents in advance of the deposition. They won't show up to the deposition with the documents. That is absolutely not true, Your Honor. We have absolutely agreed that if we could limit the number of documents or the scope, and if we could pick a consensual date and have it out here, that we would provide the documents in advance. The sticking point was the interrogatories and the scope. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're resolved on the subpoena and the document production, correct? Yes. And we haven't set a date for document production. Do you want to do that? No, Your Honor, because I have to ask my client what is convenient for him. I happen to know that my client is traveling at the moment, and the overbearing way in which this matter has been teed up makes me concerned that we would be unable to identify a mutual agreeable date. I'm sorry, Your Honor. I believe the proposed date was – Is the proposed date the date Ms. Dimer said she needed to check with her client? Yes. So we could – I'd like to set an outside date if we could, 14 days, 21 days. What date did you propose? Or it's stale. Your Honor, I cannot, I absolutely cannot do anything the week of the – It's a Thanksgiving. How about the end of the month? That works, too. Ms. Dimer, how about November 30th? I believe that that's fine for my calendar. Hold on just a minute. I have a – just need to double-check. I have a jury trial in early December, and I need to double-check that that date is – Could we make it December 1st? I have an all-day mediation that's been set for nine months on the 30th. Yes, December 1st, Friday, December 1st. And I will have to talk to my client because I do know the man is traveling. So I will have to check if he's available. Okay. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Yes. And then, are you going to reserve a deposit? The next two orders of business, I think, are the interrogatories. Yes. And the, the deposition, um, both Dave and the objection related to the interrogatories. And, and okay, so I'm going to let you both um, present your arguments with respect to interrogatories because, frankly, um, well, let, go ahead and present your arguments. No. Each of these interrogatories is narrowly tailored, and we did this to be efficient. We did this to determine which witnesses are we going to have to spend time and money and effort on a limited budget to take depositions of six, seven hours of counsel for the debtors, counsel for the creditors committee, and everyone else present. And so that's why the interrogatories in this case are the most efficient means of determining does he have the sleep gravy, does he know who else has it. And one of the other issues, the reason why this has been helpful in this process is because interrogatories from other witnesses have revealed two parties that may have the sleep gravy. We're looking for a needle in a haystack, or really a piece of paper in the shape of hourglass. And so identifying new witnesses with very narrowly tailored interrogatories makes it difficult to get by. Your Honor, there, or, I'm, I apologize, Mr. Evans. I'm sorry. I Committee's counsel wants to be heard, and then we'll get to you, Ms. Daimler. Good afternoon, may it please the court. Good afternoon. I'm Daimler of Baldwin Bond on behalf of the Committee on Evidence and Legal Questions. Counsel John Daimler of the committee is sitting close to the same table together on a number of the issues that are most important. I would like to briefly present the statements of the court with regard to the interrogatories and discovery. Okay. Good afternoon. Thank you, Your Honor. For the record, Sharon Dwoskin from Brown Rudnick on behalf of the committee. My motion for pro hoc admission was filed at docket number 389. And I appreciate, Your Honor, allowing me to speak and allowing me to participate by Zoom. Look, Your Honor, from the committee's perspective, recovering the 98F wallet seed phrases is of utmost importance to the committee, right? It's of utmost importance to the case. It's tens of millions of dollars of ETH that are currently unavailable to the estate and its creditors. But preserving estate assets is also of utmost importance. Your Honor is well aware of the thin margins of this case right now. Depositions are expensive. If they're necessary, they're necessary. But if the debtors are able to get the information that they need through interrogatories, depositions can be streamlined or avoided entirely. And frankly, Your Honor, we think that that is most efficient for the debtor and less burdensome for this particular witness. You know, we think that the procedure requested by the debtors, right, interrogatories and documents followed by a deposition if necessary, reduces the fee burden on the estate and on the witness. And so, Your Honor, I think that 
this court has the ability to craft orders in its discretion under 2004 that minimize the fee burn of the estate, and we would ask Your Honor to do so. I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked the debtors. What is the basis under 2004 for permitting interrogatories? Your Honor, I don't have a good answer to that question. I think that 105 gives this court broad powers, and I think that the overall equities on this court, right, the ability to look at what would be most cost-effective for the estate while protecting everybody's rights is the way to go here. But, Your Honor, I agree. This is a gray area. And, you know, other courts have done it. Other courts have ordered it. And other witnesses in this case have done it. But, frankly, if the concern here is what would be most burdensome on this witness, in the committee's view, answering nine interrogatories may be less burdensome than not doing so and having to sit for a deposition. Well, I don't think that's the position that the witness is taking here. I mean, I'll hear from Ms. Dimer, but I think Ms. Dimer's position is different. I'm not intending to put words into Ms. Dimer's mouth. Our view is that reducing the burden on the estate is absolutely critical here. We think that interrogatories would do that. And as a side benefit, it would reduce the fee burn for the witness. I understand that the witness has other concerns about whether interrogatories are appropriate at all. And let me ask you, are you aware of any precedent from this court where, in a contested scenario, the courts permitted interrogatories under a 2004 exam? I believe, Your Honor, that the debtors have quoted some in their response, but I would let Mr. Evans speak to that. Your Honor, on page 10, Zion Center briefly identified orders issued pursuant to 2004 requiring interrogatories. They were not contested. They were non-contested and they were parties, weren't they? Yes. And I don't disagree with you. It happens all the time because parties don't contest it. But I have a different scenario here. If I had one, I'd give it to you, Judge. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ms. Dimer? Yes, Your Honor. I would have had no problem if the request was answer these interrogatories, these nine quite broad interrogatories, which are not narrowly tailored because the definitions that accompany them are extremely broad. But I wouldn't have had any problem answering nine interrogatories if what I was being offered on behalf of my client was answer these nine interrogatories and then we'll get back to you and see if we need the request for production of documents and the exam. A hundred percent of the response from the debtor was answer the interrogatories, produce the documents, answer the interrogatories, and then I'm going to take your 2004 exam. This is of an independent individual who has no party, who is not involved in this case at all. And they kept telling me, well, here, look at these cases. The cases they cite 
were the two cases they cited are cases where the court said no, and they involve parties. There is clear precedent under Rule 45 that under the SEC versus Tsai case that I cited, that says absolutely you cannot get interrogatories from an independent third party. The Roos case, it's all cited at pages seven and eight. There is no authority to get interrogatories from a witness who is a third party to the dispute. The only choice they have is the subpoenaed 2004 examination, or if they were in a disputed matter or an adversary proceeding, they could then issue the interrogatories. They're not available under Rule 45 of a third party. And if, in fact, this were a situation where they said, hey, we'll get the responses to those interrogatories and see if we really need to go any farther, I probably would have reacted differently. But that has never been their position. Their position was, you give me the answer to the interrogatories and all the documents under the wider scope, and then we're going to take your examination. I think the problem here, I, too, do debtor's work out here at the Ninth Circuit. I didn't hear that. What did you say? I also do debtor's work here in the Ninth Circuit and in California. And I am sympathetic to the fact that this is a tight budget. And I understand that this is a court of equity, but the court of equity is bound also by the rules. And the rules are that they cannot do what they are asking you to do. There is no authority for it. And I will tell you that had they not wasted so much time and energy trying to get something they didn't have a right to, then I suspect we would not be before you today. Your Honor, Bill Evans, counsel for the debtor. The case was cited by this witness, not a single one of them. It was a 2004 discovery motion. Each of them are just traditional litigation and efforts to enforce a subpoena by a third party. But there's no disagreement there. What I'm trying to avoid is trying to come back and have another argument about this case. And so if the way to resolve this is we get our documents, we get an interrogatory, the UCC and the debtors meet and confer and decide whether it's a useful use of resources to pursue the deposition, I'm fine with that. I just don't want to have to come back to court and file another motion in order to compel the deposition. We are not willing to give Mr. Evans interrogatory responses that he is absolutely not entitled to. He is correct. Rule 45, the cases I cited are under Rule 45. The code is clear. Under 916 is the enforcement mechanism that causes Rule 45 to be the enforcement policy for Rule 2004, and it absolutely does not allow interrogatories. If what he meant to say was he was comfortable with the request for productions of documents as limited and the testimony of a 2004, then that would be fine if he wished to withdraw his request for interrogatories. Your Honor, that's not what I was offering. I think you just talked past each other. Let me ask, does U.S. Trustee have a position on this issue? If 
afternoon, Your Honor. Joseph Beatty for the United States Trustee. The United States Trustee does not have a position in this matter. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Krugman. There isn't a mechanism to have a third party respond to interrogatories in a 2004. So I'm not going to allow um, the interrogatory to expire unless the parties reach an alternative agreement amongst them. Thank you, Your Honor. I think you uh, are. The request is that the deposition be conducted via Zoom. So don't waste time and state assets traveling to California to meet uh, Mr. Day. That's fine, Your Honor. We don't have any opposition to that. I frankly assume that would be true. Okay, so you're going to consent to all the parties being on Zoom? Yes. Okay. Is there anything further for today? Not from me, Your Honor. I appreciate your time in this matter. Your Honor, uh, just an outside date for the deposition. Oh. I believe the documents were December 1st, yeah. if I remember correctly. Correct um, calendar. Getting close to holidays, so maybe December 13th. Your Honor, I'm in a two-week jury trial. At least we believe it will only be two weeks. That starts on the 7th and continues to the 25th of December. And I am Chief Trial Counsel in Marin County on the SunPAC matter. How, how much longer do you expect the investigation to go? Uh, and how does that fit in with like confirmation and the timing of the case? It's a good question, Your Honor. We, we have a number of targets. So you're in trial until the 25th of December? No, the 20th, Your Honor, oh. we hope, fingers crossed. It is a jury trial with 17 plaintiffs. We are the one of the defendants. And uh, so I can't promise you that it won't go closer to Christmas. I am profoundly hoping we will all be expeditious as all three of my children will be returning to California for the holiday and I'd like to see them. Um, what, what is the data proposing? I'm sorry, what is the debtor proposing in terms of deposition outside date? Um, and I, I believe I heard Ms. Singer correctly. It's the trial closest to the 20th. Yes. 21st, I guess. Because I will have so much time to prepare my witness and go over the documents while I'm in the middle of a two-week jury trial, Ms. Evans. How about January 5th? Okay. How about Thank January 5th? That's fine. It's just so many holidays, yeah. and I'm, of course, the parties can obviously confer and agree to a time before that. 
That's the outside view. Okay. Thank you, Your Honor. Okay. Um, could you confer and submit a form of order? Mr. Detweiler, do you want to be heard? Okay, understood. All rights reserved. And I do encourage the parties to be practical. Um, there will be examination. So That's fine, Your Honor. We never opposed that. All right. Well, I just want to be clear. So is there anything further for this afternoon? I would only ask that we be able to review the order before it be submitted to the court. Yes, I ask the parties to confer and agree on a form of order. And if you can't agree on a form of order, submit competing orders, and I'll pick one. Absolutely, Your Honor. And please share with Mr. Kudia and the um, committee as well. Okay, thank you all very much. Um, we stand in recess. Have a great afternoon. Thank, thank you. you.